There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with Andy Brand Bernard, JB, and Mike Molina. Very good. We'll be right back. Mike Lindell will join us right after this Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. And it's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional body work costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well, Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard Show. Hour three, you know... Our special guest, Mike Lindell, joins us. TV star now. Well, I suppose you've already, you're have already you a TV star because your commercials are on like every break on every network. <laughs> it's pretty much true, don't you think? Well, I, I'm on there a little bit. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're on a little bit. You're on TV a little bit. That's I made, I made a new. I made a new one this morning, so we're getting more variety. Oh, so you did get? Yeah, you, you told me you were going to cut a commercial today, so you cut another one today. Yeah, I got done about. Uh, it took about three hours. I'm getting better at it. They, uh, um, they tell me to smile, and I and I and I now I remember to smile right away. I, I used to say, "Now this is serious stuff," you know. How could you know? Uh, so. But yeah, what did they think of that when you said that this is this, when you said this is serious stuff? What did they think of that? They always make me smile anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you took care of it. I, I like the I like the spot. You still get around the spot where you're looking through the uh, bathroom medicine cabinet, aren't you? Yeah, that was the, that was. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's our number one success. And there's one where we do a ti- like a timeline. It's like a silent commercial kind of. And then there's uh, the one with my factory yes. where the door opens up and. But the, that one with the man in the mirror, where I'm in the mirror, that was uh, that was a lot of fun to make. We, you know, there was a lot of the if you ever if I ever put out the the bloopers from that, it's so funny. I'm, I'm just, uh, that was pretty good. They do a nice job with it. Tomorrow, two thirty to three thirty, on uh, Channel Four locally, the CBS affiliate in Minneapolis and St. Paul. It's on there first, and then it's uh, nationwide after that. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it'll go. It uh, it won't play nationwide tomorrow, but it's playing in here in Minnesota, and then uh, uh, whatever we whatever we wherever we end up going nationwide with CBS or whoever, that's uh, that's what that'll manifest in. But yeah, it's I'm a really, great story, really, the Mike Lindell. Yeah, it's really interesting. It was a lot of fun to him. We it was a real audience at the Pantages Theater. It was uh, um, it's uh, captured all the uh, at least the timeline of uh, you know probably from. You know the timeline of my pillow, anyway, from the two thousands on up through my addictions and everything. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean it's a great story. We were talking about this, and I've been talking to Mike Lindell about this for a long time. It's called the Mike Lindell story, an American dream, and that's what I love about the story about a guy. Uh, now you grew up where? I grew up in Chaska, and Chaska and Carver, Minnesota, and uh, and. Uh, the, uh became uh, became an addict, I guess. Uh, I, I was after. I was probably a late bloomer. I was after I got out of high school. And uh, I got addicted to cocaine in the middle 80s, about 1984. And uh, very, but a very functioning addict for a long time until I got into crack. And then you, and, and the things started to go downhill. So, so when you were doing just straight cocaine, you could still function, you could still work, and everything would... You know, yeah, it, it was, was just, very. It was party they, time. They, well, they tell me. Yeah, they tell me I have ADHD. So I guess they uh, maybe that kept me somewhat focused. I don't know. But they uh, not you ADHD. Hard to believe. <laughs> a couple of, a year ago, I went out. I had some tests done, and they go. I came back. I go. You guys here? I have ADHD, and they they look at me and go, really? Well, you got <laughs> really? But, uh, are you sure? Uh, <laughs> but back, uh, but back, yeah. The, with the with the cocaine, it, it was uh, you know I was functioning. I mean, there was so much cocaine in the eighties and the nineties, and and then plus being a, I got you know I ended up owning bars, and I bought um, the one bar I had thirteen years. Well, you can be a pretty good addict when you're, uh, um, you know, running a bar, and and uh, it was. Um, but I still, it you know, I look back and you know once once it changed to crack cocaine, though I couldn't control anything anymore. You got paranoias that go with it and it's it was hard work even being a you know any kind of an addict it's a lot of work it really is you to hide your addiction to 
to keep it going. You're constantly, it's just a lot of work. Anyone out there that's, you know, everybody knows that. You know, you know even, uh, even uh, you know, waking up the next day, you're going, oh, I don't feel like getting up. It's so much. When, when I did quit, Tom, I had a, a friend of mine in 2008, December, he came to me and just out of the blue, and he had been clean for three years, and he was a he was a cocaine and a crack addict. Um, his name was Dick, and he, but he came out and he talked to me. Now he's probably the only one I could relate to because I was I was always thinking, you know, my addiction's way worse than everyone else's. I would stay up the most days and do the most stuff, and and uh, well, Dick came out there and I had questions for him that I could that no one else could answer. I said, Dick, I said. Is, is it boring? Is it boring not using? And he had the right answers. I mean, and they were real. And uh, that made a big difference to me, hearing all these all these things from him, because it was different worries I had. And then, you know, addictions are just mostly to hide pain anyway. And and uh, but it was it was it was a divine appointment that he came out there that that December. So what is the big difference between doing cocaine and doing crack cocaine? It just that you don't get as paranoid on regular cocaine. Right. Well, cocaine, cocaine, when you do crack cocaine, there's a, there's, you know, when with cocaine, you know, both drugs, you know, you can't sleep. You can't, you don't want to eat. You're not hungry. But, but yeah, you said it with crack cocaine, you, you as the more you do over time, you get these paranoias and they're uncontrollable. It's the most miserable feeling and the most, you peek out windows. You, you know, you're looking out. You cannot. You're gonna. You're gonna break promises because you can't physically go there because you're paranoid or you can't get. You can't even answer a phone. And a very similar paranoia to a meth addict. Uh, meth is a. You know, anyone out there, they know what I'm talking about. I've, um, and it gets horrific. It's at first. It's like okay, like one out of ten times you'll get these paranoias. You go, what was that? And then you do it the next time. You go, wow, I'm glad that didn't happen. Well then. The more you do it, um, all of a sudden it happens two out of ten times, then three out of ten. Pretty soon, every time you do crack, you get these paranoias. But the high goes that you go high, then you're staring out windows, and it's not a it's not a social drug. I'll tell you that everybody's hiding and hiding in rooms. And and uh, when I owned my bars, when the crack came into town, um, you know the bar, no one's at the bar. They're home peeking out windows. It's horrific. So. So why did you switch from cocaine to crack cocaine? Is crack cocaine cheaper? No, you actually can, you, you can go through uh, you can go through crack. It's, it, you know you're, you're, it, take, it takes cocaine and baking soda to make crack. You have to have baking soda. I mean, whoever thought that up? Let's let's add baking soda, boil it in a spoon, wait till it's hard, smoke it in a t- in a thing with you know whoever thought this up. I mean, it's just bizarre. But but it's uh, it's. It's a very cocaine. You do it; it might last twenty, thirty minutes. Uh, crack, you do it. You got like a three, four minute high that's very intense. And and um, but it uh, the the high at first is similar, and then it changes on you. Like you say, it's not. Uh, oh. Um, it changes. It changes where when you first do crack, you're going, "Wow, this is just like cocaine," and you can and I, I can go to sleep and I can eat and whatever, and then. Then the next time or the next time, all of a sudden it changes on you and you get these paranoias and, and uh, all this. Now, why did I do crack? It was just by fate. One, you know, here's a, a friend of mine. He had come back from up north. I um, uh, was up at Grand Rapids. He'd come back down to, and we were in uh, Victoria. And after the bar closed, we'd all go over to this my friend's of mine house and, and we'd have these parties with doing cocaine. Well, 
he came down from up north, and he and he and everyone at the party. There was like three other guys, and they'd take their cocaine I, that we'd put out, and they would run to the bedroom, and they'd be gone. And I, he goes, "What's going on?" I said, "I don't know. They're making it into crack and smoking it." And it's, I said, "It's horrible. They they don't even come out of their rooms for about 20, 30 minutes." And he goes, he looks at me, and I looked at him. I said, "Kevin." I said, let's never let this happen to us. And he says, yeah, this is terrible. And we, we ended up being the worst, too. He just couldn't stay away. And, uh, if, he's, if he's listening, he was just here. You know, he quit three or four years ago after me, and he followed suit. And we, we reminisced about those days when we said that. He's actually in my book. That conversation, and we're going... And what it is, Tom, it was just one night, maybe. I didn't have any cocaine, and the only thing a guy had was crack. Mm. And I said, well, I'll try that. And, uh, and it was the same. It was, wow, it was, you know, it was the same. The first time it feels the same as coke, and then, and then it grabs you, and, uh, and it's over. It's, and it takes you down so fast. Every one of my friends, it took them down within a year. I, and I'm talking, some, one of my friends, hundreds of thousands of dollars he had, a beautiful house. In one year, it's all gone. And now I can, people come to me now and they say, uh, you know, addicts come to me or families and they'll come, well, Mike, uh, you know, this is happening to my, to my son or my friend or whatever. And he's, and I said, well, and they say he's doing crack or, or meth, either one. And they, and I say, well, how, what does he have left for assets? Uh, is he still working? Um, what did he have when he started with? I can almost tell you how far along in his addiction is because it's straight down where you just, you know, where you, it takes you down faster than anything I've ever seen as far as uh, to get to that bottom where there's just nothing left uh, um, money-wise. And that's why, you know, crack is such a, it just, um, you know, all drugs are bad, but that one did just, uh, that one uh, for me, um, if crack hadn't came along, I, you know, I don't know. I might've still been on cocaine, but it got, I'm going, this is, the paranoia, I mean, for the work on that, can you imagine, Tom, I was an crack addict and I started the pillow in 2005 and I, uh-huh. I could never, ever do crack when I, the one thing I was different than other addicts is I never broke trust. So all these home shows and fairs I would do, I would never do crack while I was there because I wouldn't have been able to get in the booth. I'd be hiding under the table, you know. <laughs> That <laughs> wouldn't be good. So if, uh, no. oh, sorry, there was... so if crack eventually becomes unpleasant, did you just keep doing it to stave off the uh, the withdrawal? No, it's not. It's You'll do it because you get high. The high is so intense, but the paranoids are so horrible. But it's but it's still the high. It's, you just, it's, a, it's a cycle you're going. You just keep going. Well, I want it to feel like it did before, and it does. But then yeah. you're paranoid. You're paranoid. Once the paranoids get down, then you get, you take another hit. You, and the, the paranoids are there. It's a, it's it's a, you get caught in this cycle, and um, you want you want the high, but you don't want the paranoids. And then uh, you know you'll see if you went to a crack house, um, you know you'll see little holes. They peek out. We peek out windows, and you're looking through those little holes in the door, and there's nothing out there, and. Uh, but boy, when there was something out there, then it, you know you know you have heart attacks. I mean, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. So you start doing crack in two thousand. You did you start doing cocaine. What what year did you start doing cocaine? But cocaine was about nineteen eighty four, eighty five, and you know, and I had a, uh, you know, I raised a family for. Um, I had uh, you know we were the uh, um, nice house. You know, had the bars and and every you know going fine, and they. Uh, um, 
whatever dysfunction there was, I certainly didn't notice it. And then you got we switched, to, you know, switched over to crack and probably around 2000, and um, you know, it just started taking taking away. All my friends went down first. I mean, I had people, you know, and I'm going, I, I I'm trying, I mean, it's trying to function on it. But I would switch. I would know at least know when I couldn't do it. You could not trust yourself if you would. If you take mm-hmm. a hit of crack, I remember one Christmas. I am so much into holidays and stuff with my families, and we'd have all of us would get together. And one Christmas, I'm doing cocaine. I go, you know what? I'm just going to do one hit of crack, and then I and then head over, and I'll do cocaine when I'm there. Well, I did the hit of crack, and I never made that Christmas. I'd sit there. They were calling, looking for me, and I couldn't answer the phone. And and uh, I'm I'm crying because I can't get there, but yet I can't do anything oh. about it. It's, it's just absolutely horrific. And um, and they uh, and each and each drug, you know, each drug that's out there, your whether you're opiates or your meth or your crack or whatever, when people go to get help, having someone that's beat that particular drug or whatever really helps because you know you know all the the things that downfalls of it. You know you know what. Uh, you know what they're up, what the person's up against. I mean, these are good people that are just have yeah. a, they're masking pain, and it's just uh, it becomes an end of the cycle. No, okay, so you you you're doing crack. You start doing crack about two thousand. You've been doing cocaine for fifteen, sixteen years. You start doing crack cocaine in two thousand, but in two thousand five, you start my pillow. Right. Yeah, in two thousand in two thousand four, when I went to invent it in two thousand five. I was so into all my energy going into that. I mean, I wasn't, uh, I wouldn't, I probably wasn't out, you know, smoking crack. My, my whole focus was, you talk about an addict putting all your addiction tendencies into a, you know, I was told once way back in the day when I was uh, gambling in a pool hall in Chaska in the early 80s, I'm going, you know, I'm gambling. I also had a compulsive gambling addiction. And, they, uh, and the, guy, the bar owner said, Mike, if you put all your energies into something, that productive, you'd be, it'd be a, the most amazing thing ever. And I never forgot those words. Well, but when the pillow mm-hmm. came along, I was just, I just dove into the pillow, almost like in my own, its own addiction. You know, I'm up, I'm up at night one all night long, writing my pillow, the logo all over the house. And my, my daughter walks upstairs and she's getting a glass of water. She goes, what are you doing, dad? And I said, I said, I'm inventing the best pillow ever. It's going to be called my pillow. And she grabbed her glass of water. She rolled her eyes. She goes, that's really random. And she heads back downstairs, and, they, uh, and, she, uh, and uh, we get downstairs, and then the kids, their mother, she, they go, when is he going to get over the, or what's with this pillow thing? And I go, she goes, oh, he'll get over it. It's just a phase. And it was like a mad scientist. Now, I wasn't working, and I ran all the money down, you know, inventing the pillow. And, and uh, when I finally got it to fruition, I got the pillow. This is a perfect prototype. We were out of money. We had to mortgage our house to... Um, um, just to live at that time and get uh, do a kiosk in Eden Prairie, but the the, the factory or the, our first factory, this little garage across the street in Carver, the kids go. I go. I go. It wasn't a phase. Now everybody get to work. You know. <laughs> there you, we'll got to take a quick break. We'll be back in two minutes more with Mike Lindell, Mike Lindell, an American Dream, the documentary tomorrow, two thirty to three thirty, Channel Four. Be right back. More with Mike after this. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone said it was. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. Look, my my head stays level. You know, it's not too high, not too low. My neck feels much better because of it. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering a buy one MyPillow, get another one absolutely free. Don't delay. This offer will end on January 31st. 
If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Go to MyPillow.com, but make sure you use the promo code TOM. Again, please use promo code TOM. That's promo code TOM. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. LASIK changed my life. Dr. David Whiting changed my life. He can get rid of those contacts, get rid of those glasses, and truly change your life. He's performed over 100,000 LASIK procedures, so there's no one else around who can compare. Let me tell you, if you're thinking about having your eyes corrected, check out Dr. Whiting and the folks over at Whiting Clinic. They've got the most advanced lasers, they've got the most experience, and they've got the best price guaranteed. All the reasons you'd choose Whiting Clinic for your LASIK vision correction. Make this year the year that you get LASIK from Dr. David Whiting. Schedule your free LASIK exam at whitingclinic.com, and please tell them I sent you. That's whitingclinic.com to take the first step in having clear, lens-free vision at Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Tom Bernard Show. Mike Lindell, our special guest. Mike Lindell, an American dream. The Mike Lindell story uh, on Channel 4, the CBS affiliate, tomorrow from 2.30 to 3.30. And then after that, it will go national. Um, we've gotten to the point now. You, you, you've got your first kiosk in the Eden Prairie Center, which is a southwestern suburb of the Twin Cities. But you're still now at that point. You're still doing crack cocaine, isn't? And but you didn't do it when you were at the kiosk because otherwise you wouldn't have been able to do it. Right, absolutely. And and you know it's funny when I invented the pillow, I was so excited. I went into a, uh, it's a box store. Well, I'll say it. It was a Bed Bath and Beyond, and I went in there and I. It's one of my biggest accounts now. But I went in there. I said. I have the best pillow ever. I said, it's the most amazing thing. It's going to change the world. How many would you like? Where's your buyer? And I was so passionate. The guy looked at me and says, you need to leave. And I'm not, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was, you I, need uh, to I leave. I've told that story to the, to the highest guy at Bed Bath Beyond. He goes, he goes, who was that store back then? I go, you, you guys wanted to talk to me. You just said, put him in jail. You know, <laughs> Anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. So somebody, uh, so anyway, okay, a so friend of mine. So we couldn't sell the pillow anywhere, and I and uh, and I mean, I couldn't get get anyone to go get on board. And we, someone said, "Well, Mike, why don't you do a kiosk?" And I said, "How do you spell that?" And and yeah, I did the uh, the kiosk in Eden Prairie. And my wife at the time, she worked most of the hours, and I happened to be there the when I was there. Um, I had a guy came up and he said, "Mike," he said, or he said. Or he said, can I, uh, we only sold like, I don't know, 100 pillows during that month and a half. We, we, the money we borrowed on our house, we, it all went into that, you know, a lot of money into a kiosk. And, and uh, people didn't know about us. We had a sign-up written in Cran, family open, owned and operated. On, um, chiropractor recommended. My, my wife said, we can't say that. I said, what do you mean? I gave it to our chiropractor friend in Chaska. He loves it. And, uh, and uh, so anyway, the guy, this, the guy comes up and he, I have, he goes, you got a business card? I said, I said, oh, I'm all out. And I wrote it on a piece of paper and gave him the sheet of paper. And, and that guy happened to call me in January because now by January, I was actually getting worried. People say, were you ever worried that you couldn't make it? Because I'm not, I was just an entrepreneur. Now I'm dead broke. 
I have no way to make income, and the pillows didn't sell that good at the kiosk. And I'm going, at that time, I'm going, okay, how, you know, where's this going? How am I going to support my family, you know? And about that time, the guy called and said, uh, the guy gave that number to him. He says, Mike, he said, uh, or he said, are you the guy that invented this pillow here in Minnesota? I said, yeah. He says, well, I bought one for you at the Prairie Center. And he said, I changed my life to create a miracle. And he said, I run the Minneapolis Home and Garden Show. Would you like a spot in there? And I I said, sure, and, and uh, I went in there, kind of changed the, my booth layout, and then I did all the talking, and we sold out, ended up, uh, you know, I ended up getting in the Minnesota State Fair that year, and, and then I was able to do shows and fairs for the next five, six years as a, not only a functioning addict, but, a, but uh, um, it was, you know, it was exciting, at least I was able to, kind of a relief, I was able to support my family but then it went through all kinds of crazy stuff where people tried to steal the company take the manufacturing anything that could happen did happen uh i ended up getting divorced for 20 years we were making the pillows boxing them in our living room um you know doing we were down to we were losing our house everything and it was literally lights out in 2007 they cut the power on our house and and oh um, man i mean it was uh it was bad and and uh so i went through the uh Went through a divorce. I told her, I said, if we ever, if we ever make anything out of this, I said, I'm, you know, um, you know, well, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of you because he was a big part of making it, you know, getting that far. And and uh, so we, it was kind of on life support for 2008. And uh, at the end, and in 2008, by the way, uh, I Tom, I don't know if I told you where the drug dealers did an intervention. No, I don't think so. I don't think well, you this have. is. Uh, this is a big part of the story. So I'm I'm uh, I'm up for a couple of weeks, two weeks, and uh, in the spring of 2008, and it's downtown Minneapolis, an apartment, one of my dealers there, and, and all of a sudden, three of the they're all three there, and I go, you guys know each other? They go, no, we, you know we uh, we um, they knew of each other, didn't know each other, and they're all going. The one guy goes, I'm not going to name names. He goes, Mike. He says, Mike, are you uh, or he says, Mike, uh, Mike's been up for two weeks. Uh, and he says, uh, you know, every, nobody's selling them anymore. He's going he's to bed, you know, and they go, the one guy, the one guy goes, he goes, you've been up for two. I said, I've only been up for 10 days. And, and he goes, well, you ain't getting nothing from me or my guys. And, and uh, he goes, to, he, he goes to leave. And now, and now this other guy that is his apartment, Joe, who actually works for me now. And he's, uh, he's off doing everything. He says, he says, I. Uh, yeah, he says you. Uh, you know, you promised us that you. You know, someday you'd return when you quit and everything. They wanted me to quit for good. They said, you know, I'm one of their best customers because I had told them all this stuff. You know, someday when I quit, I'm gonna have a foundation that's gonna help everybody and help this terrible dysfunction and drug use and all this. And and uh, so he goes, yeah, my none of, none of my people are selling to him or whatever. And anyway, the guy leaves and. The one guy sat down in the chair and why, he was going to wait till I ran out of uh, ran out of crack and I and I was almost out and and uh, sure enough I did run out. Well now I'm now I'm starting to you know after ten, after 14 days of being up I'm going I got to get more. And I back then I did not want to ever go to bed until I had my problem solved and that was that was the problem. I would just stay up and kind of play through. Well, I looked over with my one eye and sure enough he went to sleep and it was two o'clock in the morning and. And I uh, snuck back. I'm not going to say where in Minneapolis, but I snuck down to the streets. And I'm telling you, I had a $100 bill, and I'm trying to buy even $10 worth of crack. And everybody's going, you ain't getting any from me. And they're they're walking away from me. I'm going, I, 
come on, you guys. Well, the word had got out not to sell me any. And I come back about three in the morning and walk through that door, and he's sitting up in the chair, and he says, how'd that work out for you? And I was just all upset. And he said, he said, give me your phone. He says, I'm taking a picture of you. And I took, he took a picture. He says, you're going to need that for your book when you get, whenever you get what well, you've been telling us for how long. And, I, and uh, that picture, Tom, is the hologram on the front of my book. I think I did show you that picture, didn't I? With a, you uh, did show me the picture. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that will be on the documentary tomorrow. That picture that he took in the March of 2008 is in, that, in the, docu- the documentary tomorrow. But, uh, of course, I didn't quit in March. I waited another almost another year. Come on. yeah there you go but it's been an unbelievable story from from where you started uh i just love the fact you told your wife as you divorced i will absolutely take care of you when this thing is successful it's a wonderful thing i need to tell people you need to see this documentary because it is what america is all about an american dream are the last three words of the title of the documentary the mike lindell story it it is you can be successful in America. You got to figure it out. You got to figure out your own foibles and, and problems and all the rest of it. But this is America, and you can make it. And I, my belief is, and I really strongly believe that anybody who really works and works and works can make it and get it done. Uh, you're a great example, and you're a hell of a guy. You you spend a lot of time helping people who are less fortunate. That well, everybody's less fortunate than you, but you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> I, uh, give back. I just, you know, I'll tell you, Tom, I give back, you know, when I quit everything overnight, I, you know, I made a deal with God. I said, please free me from these addictions and I, and I'm all yours. And I'll tell you with God, with God, all things are possible. And they, and I've been so blessed and that's where it's at. I don't ever forget. I view every customer like it's my only customer. I view every, right. you know, and it's, and, and that passion throughout my company, I have, I have 1,600 employees now, and I mean, every one of them, it just gives, they're each one individually. We have careers at MyPillow, not just uh, jobs, and they, and they, just to see their faces and their, and their, their hope, and, and uh, if we have something go wrong at MyPillow, if, some, if there's a deviation in an employee, we get them help. They know they can come to me and go, hey, this guy, uh, there's something, he's not showing up for work, whatever. Well, they know we're going to help him. We're not just going to send him to the streets and fire him. We're going to... You know, we get them help, and they they're grateful for it. And it's just uh, it's been amazing. It's for me. It's like some days I just wake up every day and go, "This is surreal." I mean, this is from where I was to where it is now. You know. Hey, Mike. I think it's a Mike. This is JB. Um, I was just wanting to let you know that um, your pillow has become the official pillow of the Gopher. Uh, women's soccer team the the head coach <laughs> to the assistant head coach to the secretary all were raving about it last week oh, in, wow. the, in the <laughs> office yeah the one the assistant uh, head coach bought hers first and um she had mentioned it to the head coach and the head coach was like oh i had i keep forgetting i gotta buy one and she was she said, I'm going out today and buy one. And then the secretary came and told her, yeah, I have one. It's life-changing, this, that, and the other. And said, and then I walked, you know, I was standing there listening to all this. And I said, yeah, I have like six of them at home. And, <laughs> and then we were like, uh, the secretary goes, Do you know, they make a dog bed. And I said, yeah, I forgot. I should have mentioned that. And then I said, well, you know, they make a travel pillow. And she's like, really? I'll buy a travel pillow and a and, 
pillow for me and my husband and the boys. And it's like, yeah, I said, it is a great product. And the story, well, thank you. This, the story that you told was, was uh, I don't know how you survived it, but uh, it was pretty uplifting. And it just goes to prove if you keep uh, fighting through, there's something on the, on, better on the other side. So, yep. Uh, well, thank, well, thank you. And, you know, the, uh, for now, they, you know, they, they, they have the, the product, which I got in a dream from God. I mean, there's 35 million pillows I've sold now where, and that's just, you know, that's, that's, uh, to me, I can't even imagine. I mean, that's a, a lot of the population. <laughs> and, uh, it is. But, but that's them telling other people that, it, you know, how, that it, you know, it's such a big problem solution. And, and, uh, you know, the, uh, to, to, to remember all those, all those, all those years doing shows all over the Midwest, home shows and fairs from, from Dubuque, Iowa to Omaha, Nebraska, going show to show. And then, and then people coming up to me, you know, that had bought pills saying the same thing you just said there, the testimonials. I'm going, that just kept me going, going, wow, I'm actually making a difference in the world of these people's lives because sleep is so important. And, and now, uh, you know, I think it was more, you know, back in the day they had a commercial and, and they'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends and so on and so on. Well, in this day and age is they tell 500 friends and they tell 5,000 friends and, and, uh, uh, and that's uh, and, but but it all comes to with the customer service. I do every every customer like it's my own. And I go back to where your handshakes your words, and a time a long ago where uh, um, they don't just add in returns into a, into a, well this is a part of our product cost. Twenty percent of people are going to return it. No, we we uh, my pillow. It's like we view every customer. We want them fit them right and make sure that they're sleeping good because they're it's going to change their lives. I think it's a wonderful thing. Tomorrow, 2.30 to 3.30 on CBS 4 WCCO television in Minneapolis and St. Paul, then goes nationwide next week. It's a great story, Mike. Uh, I'm honored that you're my friend, and I, I was talking to Don about that yesterday because I, I basically talk to Don every day, you know. I told her, did she talk, did you talk to her yesterday? Because I told her yeah. yesterday when I talked to her. I said, tell Mike that I don't miss him because I see more of him on television than I do in person anyway. <laughs> well, Tom, she's right here. Hello. Oh God, nothing but trouble. Oh my God, it's it's Donnie River. How are things? Don River, that's a new one. Well, that's my Fawny River is my Fawn is my uh, my grand uh, granddaughter. So I got Fawn and Dawn in my life now. Wow, you're a lucky guy. <laughs> Yeah, apparently I'm a really lucky guy, but uh, yeah, I, this is going to be a great thing. I understand that you're in the audience. You're in this. Uh, you're in this uh, documentary. That's all I need. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> you are everywhere. Well, thank you very much for your help with everything, Don. You do a great job. Uh, everybody over at My Pillow does a great job. Uh, I look forward to seeing the documentary tomorrow, Mike. I look forward to the next time. Uh, I see you, and uh, I still haven't met Dawn in person, by the way. I know I, I've seen pictures of her, and I talk to her a lot. But uh, one of these days we'll have to grab some lunch or some dinner or something and have a wonderful time. Absolutely. And, Tom, it's always an honor. I'm always so grateful for being on your show. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll get, uh, we'll get out for lunch. We'll bring Dawn along. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, that's a threat. <laughs> Thanks very much. We'll, we'll, we will talk to you soon. Thanks very much. Thanks, Tom.
Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Lindell and Don Curtis works at My Pillow. Does a great job with Jessica and everybody out at My Pillow. It is tomorrow, two thirty to three thirty on Channel Four locally. It's quite the story because he goes from being a successful bar owner to almost ruining his life, going broke, coming out of it, couldn't sell the product, but he stayed with his dream. Uh, he kept working on it, and he got where he wanted to go with it. It's a huge corporation now. 35 million pillows he sold, uh, and you can do it too. If you have a dream, don't give up on your dream. We'll be right back, Tom Bernard Show. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant. Whatever it takes. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the best of the Tom Bernard Show, brought to you by Brad Sean Bryant, or as he's known, the backup to my hard drive, every Saturday at noon for highlights from the past week and classic moments from our vault. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard Show. Thank you again to Mike Lindell and everybody at My Pillow. The Mike Lindell story: an American dream. Tomorrow, two thirty to three thirty, Channel Four locally. It's a hell of a story. Yeah, I mean, a guy. Uh, he's doing rather well, I would say. <laughs> I would guess so. That's an awful lot of pillows. You know who's also doing well is that John Gruden. Yes. Oh, yeah, I want to hear about John Gruden. You know that story. You know, I was looking at Star Tribune. I don't see any reference to it at all. In the Star Tribune, because it's not it's not final yet. Yeah. Oh, it is not final. No, but it's okay. So what do you got? Well, the the reason why they got rid of their coach last week, they pretty much had set up this deal uh, between the owners of the uh, Raiders and and Gruden. And at first, it was starting to come out that he was going to get part ownership. Yes. And uh, I think the other owners in the league were like, oh, no, you know. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The other owners said, forget it. So I think they just went with the, with the high salary. So which, And the salary is? $100 million? Over 10 years. Oh, yeah. But still. $100 million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you know right now on the Oakland Raiders roster, there are only three players that make more than $10 million a year. 
Really? Yeah. Three players make more than ten million a year. One, one of them is the quarterback. Obviously. Yeah, Derek Carr is making almost twenty-five mil. JB, what do you think of this? Because I talked to Malene about it already. What do you think of this? I do believe that the Las Vegas Raiders are going to be the first franchise worth three billion dollars. Oh, without a without a doubt, because they will never have problems selling tickets. Because if they're never their home ticket. Base doesn't buy tickets. All the visiting people will. You know, Green Bay, Minneapolis, you know, Buffalo, whoever it is wanting to, especially this time of year, wanting to go out there, get their party on, you know, make it a full weekend, you know, go crazy, gamble, watch football. It's truly going to be the, a certain sports writer, uh, in town says that uh, every 35-year-old hooker should go and get in shape <laughs> in Las Vegas. <laughs> well, Tom, you, uh, really nice. Tom, you touched on this the other day when this news first broke, but uh, you got to imagine, too, this contract's got to be backloaded to the point where they, when they moved to Nevada, no income tax. I mean, yep. man. He's going to have uh, no state income tax nope. on the $10 million a year. That's worth, let's say if he went to Minnesota or he went to New York or he went to, you know, they stayed in Oakland. Yeah. Uh, they have, what, a 13% state tax in, in California? Isn't their state tax like 13%? It's, it's up there. Top rate. But, um, and you know it had to be good because he's leaving ESPN where he already mm-hmm. was the highest paid employee, employee of ESPN. And he yeah. only really? you know, works for... Four or five months out of the year, one night a week. And, you know, he had his uh, quarterback show in the, in yep. after the yeah. dra- leading up yeah. to the draft. But that was basically it. Yep. I mean, he. What a story this is. I mean, he was, a, you know, tennis, the university, he probably could have got this pretty close to the same amount of money from the University of Tennessee, which is, that's mm, the Probably odd. true. Which is a very odd thing about it. And college coaches' salaries are just, you know, our uh, boy Nick Saban makes $11 million a year. Yeah, exactly. So but, it's kind of funny. Nick Saban makes more money than John Gruden, but he's also got how many national championships? My but, God. Uh, Nick Saban and his football program also brings in about uh, between 75 and $100 million a year just in football alone. But you got to remember too about going back to Gruden. It's interesting because when he was with Oakland, they traded him to Tampa right. for two first-round picks and were something else. And then you know they turn around and Tampa wins the Super Bowl well, against old, Oakland. Right. The old man didn't. Yep. The old man didn't like him. Yeah. And Al, I think Al yeah, didn't like him. Al didn't like him, but the kid did. So they probably have been working on this one for a while. Well, you know, they probably share the same barber. Yeah, their haircuts are pretty close. Man, yeah, except for uh, Al Davis. All oh, those uh, that haircut on that owner is the worst haircut. He looks like Mo from the Three Stooges. Mike, I think his name is Mike Davis. I think that's right. But uh, yeah, uh, not a handsome man. No, he's yeah. not. But uh, no, he's a, Mark you know, Davis. Mark Davis. That's it. But they, um, it's the ultimate revenge because the league wouldn't let him move to L.A. with the Rams. Now he's going to be more profitable than any other organization in that league. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any question about. It. Look, you can you can go out there. As I said, let's say you're uh, you're working construction, and you get off at four o'clock in the afternoon. You get out a six p.m. flight. You fly to Vegas. You get there at seven p.m. because you gain two hours. Well, you can still go out and see a show. You can go out and have uh, dinner, have a few cocktails. You can go hit the pot pipe over at the Grove or one other marijuana <laughs> seller over there. Uh, as JB mentioned, you can get the hook ski if you want, but <laughs> yeah, well, it's in Pahrump where it's legal. Right. You can do anything. As a 28, 29, 30-year-old young man just roaming the area, you go out there and you have a ball. You can say it as nice a place or as chintzy a place as you wish. Uh, you can gamble. You could do everything in Vegas. It's going to make billions of dollars. Well, it was it was the ultimate fear of all these leagues, and it it was odd that hockey, which is the fourth of the four, yeah, was the first to go there. So yeah, absolutely. And the you know they charged them was it close to six hundred million dollars for a uh, you know new new team fee, and they're mm-hmm. winning. Because they were allowed to take the 12th best player off of each team, which is a pretty, still a pretty good hockey player. And in some cases, it was yeah. even, even a higher player because they, they protected younger people and they let older people, you know, unprotected. So, hey, well, at least they did not take uh, Nino Ninorider. <laughs> well, that. That, yeah, Nita Ryder had the hat trick. Yep. Right. That was their biggest fear that him and the defensemen were going to be taken away. And they wound up, the guys that they did take from the wild are helping them win games. So, I mean, they're a playoff team right now. If, if things ended today, they would, be, they would be in the playoffs. Well, they just won eight straight. Yeah. I mean, they lost the other night. They lost yesterday to yeah. St. Louis, of course. But Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, real quick, Tom. It was, yes, sir. It was in the news here. One of our young men got in, is in trouble again. Oh, and you're talking about Lynch? Yeah. So. What is the deal there? Now, he's he, he has been charged with one, but then there's another sexual assault that he's been accused of. Or has he been charged at all? Are they accusations at this point or are there charges? He was cleared of one. He was cleared of one. Okay. Yeah. And this this one is a different one and I don't know it's not you know I've, I the most interesting comment I've heard about campus sexual assault was by a group of female attorneys who said they are definitely afraid of sending their sons to college really because so they, the, to any college? To any college. Because the the sexual harassment law, as it has been changed and written to now, I mean, you right. literally have to whip to for college students to have sex with each other. I'm not saying that he's guilty, not guilty, or whatever. It's going to come right. Up. But I'm just saying the atmosphere that it has put on college campuses, they... You literally, as a young person, have to, and especially a male, have to pull out a contract and have the partner sign it. What? Yeah. You mean to have sex with them? Yes. Because you have to have a contract. That you, it's almost to that point. 
because you I mean the the verbiage got to a point where it was um every step you take you got to ask them if they give permission you know and things like this and you got to make sure that they're not drunk and you got to do this and you got to make that do this and do that and that and it is really a slippery slope that we've slid into and it's and it I mean that thing that uh, that situation I shouldn't call it a thing that happened at uh, Baylor University, which is a Christian college, mm-hmm. where they turned yeah. a blind eye and turned known sexual assault and rapists loose on their campus to play football was unbelievable. I just we're are we losing our human. Uh, form, I guess the only way you can put it. You're going to have to we have separate little contracts, and that's going to be a whole lot of fun for a young man and a young woman or two young women or two young men or whatever it's going to be to have a comfortable relationship when you have to have a signed contract for each it's, particular it's, event. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not there yet, but that's where it's headed. You can tell by it's unbelievable. The, you can tell by the way things are said, the way things are talked about, and whatnot. That it's pretty much it's heading to almost a situation like that. I mean, consent has to be given at every. Supposedly, from what I've seen and heard, is you have to get consent just about at every step of the way. Well, you know, when I was a young young man in my twenties or whatever. Um, I didn't, you know, force myself on women. You kind of, you could tell if a woman wanted to be with you or not. And they could tell if you want to be with them or not. I, I, what happened to just, I don't know. I, I, this just doesn't make any sense to me. It seems very cold and just, ugh. Well, that's part of it. But also, you know, there is the point of somebody get angry at you and all of a sudden, story can flip where it could have been a total consensual thing and all of a sudden they got a one party gets upset because uh their friends find out that they uh were, were with this guy and they don't like that oh, guy. Yeah. And it's just i've seen all type of situations on college campuses and it gets rather ugly and it gets the biggest problem or not problem the biggest issue was our past president, President Obama, tied uh, Title IX federal college dollars to uh, and, and put the money into the Equal Opportunity Office on every campus and basically t- tied sexual assault to that. So all college what? campuses run scared because they fear of losing their federal dollars. So that this was done by the Obama administration? Yes, it was. So we're going to blame that on you? Yeah, of course. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. No question about it. I mean, I, to, I just... To the point, Tom, and you know, I deal and I work with female athletes. I will not be mm-hmm. in a room with one of them by myself. Without oh, me, God, no. Uh, without the, me no, being you're right. like at the front window of my room where everybody's walking by and this, that, and you still f- don't feel safe or there's not another person in the room or, you know, 
you the most you do is a high five. Maybe if you win a championship, you might hug somebody, but you you're quick to go. Oh, yeah, that yeah, congrats. Yeah, yeah. and and pull away as as quick as possible because you never know when. But that's the type of atmosphere that there is on comp- college campuses now. Yeah. Oh, and I think in the rest of the world, too. We're going to have to get to a point where due process is going to have to step in because there was just this this, this and that, shotgun blast of accusations and nobody went through due process. And we automatically assumed that everybody was guilty. And, and I'm not saying they weren't guilty. Right. I don't know. But that's where uh, that's the other shoe that drops in this scenario. You have the, you know, does it reach criminal and a lot right. of time it doesn't, but it, it, but you don't have to reach criminal on a college campus. It just has to be misconduct. And if you hit the yeah. level of misconduct, you can be kicked out of school. You can be suspended. You can, it, you can throw off a team. Anything can happen. You know, we got into the point, too, and I used to love to watch her movies. I thought she was very, very talented. But I probably will never go see a movie she's in again. Jodie Foster. You saw what she said, right? No, I didn't. Jodie Foster said, let's be honest, pretty much every man over 30 has sexually harassed a woman. I mean, what kind of thing is that to say? What is wrong with you to say something like that? Every, every, Every man? No. Every man over thirty. You know, as a as a teen, a teen young teen, maybe. You know, because you whistle uh, or you give a hey baby or something, which is yeah. which we thought were flirting, but we didn't know. Right, that's very true. So that's going to do it, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate your listening all week long. We'll talk to you again on Monday on the Tom Bernard Show. Yeah.